Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Becoming the 1% Podcast. Today, my guest is Mason Martinez. He is the author of Nunchaku, Freestyle Flows and Combat Conditioning. He is a sponsored Arizona Nunchuck athlete. He has a very unique style of training that I want to share with each and every one of you. Enjoy the episode. Oh, I almost did the intro. Did you see that? I did see that. It was terrible. <laughs> What's up, Mason? How are you doing, buddy? Doing well. How are you guys doing? I'm good. good. Welcome. Thank yeah, you. thanks for coming on. No, seriously. I, I'm excited to have you on. Excited to talk about what you're doing. And uh, first thing I always like to do is get to know the person that I'm talking to. If you would, kind of back up for me and tell me how you got on this journey. You, I know you've got a book coming out. You've got a unique style of training, all that kind of stuff I want to talk about and dive into. But for me and for us, kind of start off at the beginning. Tell us, uh, tell us how you got here. Definitely. Uh, starts a long time ago. I was a, a middle school kid, been suffering from really bad asthma growing up. Um, I remember just sitting on the couch sometimes, just have a random attack. I couldn't breathe, have to go to the hospital, whole like ER ordeal. Oh, God. Um, having breathing medicine, inhalers all the time, couldn't do anything. Always had to be excused from PE, couldn't mm -hmm. exercise or work out or run around or do anything. And it really sucked for a really long time. And, uh, I started thinking, like, how can I get out of this? What can I do to help myself? So I started looking around. Um, I was an avid reader since I couldn't do anything else. So uh, I eventually worked my way into, uh, like, Eastern philosophy. And uh, I was fascinated by martial arts, even though I couldn't really do it at the time. Mm -hmm. And so um, I loved, like, Ninja Turtles, as you can see my shirt. I loved <laughs> yeah. uh, Bruce Lee, um, all that stuff, you know, kid growing up, mid-'90s California. Um, so I started working on myself, working started my my mind first trying to figure out what can I do to, to help myself so I started reading Eastern philosophy um, about samurai all these ancient warriors mm -hmm. all this stuff from the past I started applying it to myself and just started trying and pushing it and then I uh, looked into also like uh, physical outlets like how can I start getting myself to a point where I can bring up my physicality so I can start doing some of the things I want to do yeah so um, I started just doing basic calisthenics you know push-ups air squats things like that just as I could lightly slowly nothing big um also researching that topic like human performance and stuff at the time mm -hmm. best i could and i just started building this foundation and then uh by the time i was in middle school i got enrolled into a uh, jujitsu class in my little small town in california it was the only martial arts school around so um i started doing that it was low cardio more um emphasis on the philosophy basic techniques uh, take down style techniques it's a japanese form of jujitsu mm -hmm. called budoshin jujitsu so um I started doing that for a while. Um, that helped build my my confidence as well as my endurance and what I was able to do. So I kept it going. Um, I started forcing myself in high school, run a mile every day. So I did this. I was starting out 11 minute miles, having to walk sometimes, just being all jacked up out there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, by the end of that first school year, me doing that, I was down to like around mid seven range on That's the mile awesome. run. Wow. So then- How old were you? Um, this was probably sophomore year. I think it was sophomore year I did the okay. mile run mile run year gotcha and then uh from there i started going into like a little bit more weightlifting, a little bit more things like that by the time i graduated uh high school i got my black belt in buddhist jiu-jitsu wow and then a part of that was to uh learn a martial arts weapon so throughout this i'd been practicing learning nunchucks <laughs> uh my boy my hero bruce lee was a nunchuck guy so i got into it and uh, i trained nunchucks in my yard almost daily for years and years and years so it's always been a, a big part of me for, for a long time now. Um, That's outstanding. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anybody else who's done that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, graduate high school. I'm in this small town. Um, it's literally a high school class of about 65 people. Mm -hmm. So, a really small town. I, like, I want to get out. So, the day after I graduate, I leave. 
and we go into Louisiana. I have a uh, family out there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, actually my tribal heritage, I'm, I'm native American, part of the Homa Louisiana tribe. So, uh, I have family in South Louisiana still. So my uncle was out there and, uh, I lived with him for a bit, got a job, um, ironically working as a Mason. So I was doing stonework in Louisiana. <laughs> this was like, uh, 2007 post Katrina times. So I remember I helped like build a school and help build up some, uh, some businesses that had crumbled in the hurricane. So it's kind of, kind of a cool, like first job as a kid. Um, but at this point I was still like, sorry, one second. All good. Anyway, keep going. Hurricane Katrina building houses. Yeah. So I'm out there building, doing construction, manual labor. And that was, uh, that was some really, really hard grueling work. So, uh, I feel like that helped set a fitness baseline of its own. So I did that for like three months during the summer of, uh, of 07 out there, just hot, humid grind all the time, all day long. Um, and all the while you still have chronic asthma. I mean, the, the same as it was when you were young. Well, I mean, has it technically, but I could at this point outperform like, you know, your general person mm -hmm. in most things probably. Okay. But, um, I was, I was really small. Like you guys see me, I, I was, uh, 111, 110 pounds probably at this point in time. Gotcha. So I would just barely starting to build up. Um, so after being out there for three months, I came out here to, uh, to Arizona, mm -hmm. um, at the time, MySpace was the, uh, the social media go-to. <laughs> I remember MySpace. <laughs> uh, so uh, growing up, I had never had contact with my my father at all. And uh, the person who reached out to me on MySpace was my sister, who was now like a high schooler. So mm -hmm. I never had any contact with the side of my family. So I came out here to meet them for the first time and uh, ended up obviously falling in love with them. Uh, great people. And uh, that's the reason why I ended up living in Arizona, basically, because mm. um, I was on my way back to, uh, to California when I stopped in here. So uh, I ended up staying out here, living with him for a moment. And then uh, I got a job as a mall security guard, Chandler Fashion Center. So, oh, I bet you had some shit uh, go down while you were there. Oh my gosh, the Chandler job. Mall. Yeah. We could do a whole podcast on yeah. that. Probably. Yeah, we could. That was... What's the crazy... Okay, I just got to... This is like, a for those who don't know, I can't imagine anyone listening may not. The Chandler Mall is, I mean, it's fentanyl superhighway now. And it's like known for its, I don't know, gang disputes and theft and murder and all signs of... Like, what's the craziest thing you ever saw go down while you were there? Um, so while I was working there, I worked the overnight shift uh, for the reason of I didn't want to deal with people all day. Yeah. So I was like, I'll, I'll take the slam. I'll be like a, a vampire. I'll work at night. I don't care. So I worked the night shift for almost uh, for about four years there okay. in total. And uh, I remember there being shootings. There was um, there were a couple of gnarly shoplifts. Uh, I remember Apple got hit real bad a few times. Uh huh. So yeah, I remember that one actually. It yeah. Was, it was a weird job, and you're just there as a guard. You have no authority or anything, and nobody. Do they give you a gun? You. Oh, no, no. It's Because you have nunchucks? Num <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew that. But... <laughs> That's intense, though. I mean, that, 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 that'd be a tough... Because yeah. if you're on the night shift, you may not see that many people, but the people you do see... Yeah. I yeah. don't know, man. I wouldn't want to encounter somebody on the night shift. I, I broke up a lot of coitus, so we'll leave it at that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. on the cars sure. at night. I, oh, I, yeah, right in the... Yeah, of course. In the mall parking yeah, lot. Yeah, That was prolific. Yeah, your mag flashlight. <laughs> you're right. right. Oh, man. Okay, so, all right, so you you take this job. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in that job, I, I made a bunch of cool people who have had uh, other careers prior. A lot of people were... Um, there were some, like, prior... Uh, DOJ like corrections people hmm. uh, some prior law enforcement people some people that wanted to become law enforcement so that's what kind of set my sights kind of that direction because I was just a kid out of high school and no idea what I want to do in my life mm -hmm. so uh, I started looking into these jobs and then um, about the time I'm 20 I'm like screw it I'm gonna join the Marines so uh, at this point I had moved back to Bakersfield 
briefly um i was married at the time my wife's family was out there um so we end up living out there i can't find a job this is like 2009 2010 ish so recession yeah. nobody's hiring can't do anything so i was like military's always hiring i'll just do this so i ended up getting in uh to the the marine corps reserves um and then soon after getting in i transferred my unit back out here so uh I ended up being stationed at Luke Air Force Base. And nice. most people don't know this is actually the largest unit in the Marine Corps is the reserve unit at Luke Air Force Base. Really? Like, like who would have thought that? Yeah. I would have thought like wow. Pendleton or like something. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. So what, what, what do you do during your time at Luke? What do you, what is your job? So it's just job? Uh, training. So the thing about the reserves is uh, you have, you meet once a month essentially. And then you have that time you meet to, make up the entire training requirements that activity does during a month. Hmm. So you're cramming a month of training into two to five days. So it's uh physical training is what we're talking about. Or it's, it's physical, a lot of admin stuff, unfortunately. So it's a lot of sitting around a lot of checking boxes. And then, yeah, you still have to do like your, your swim call, your shooting call, your uh, physical fitness tests, like everything, gotcha. and, but it's all crammed into one weekend and you got to stop your, your personal life and go do this side thing and then come back. So it's, Mm-hmm. It's harder than most people realize, and sure. you always hear that's like one weekend a month, two weeks a uh, two weeks of summer, but that that weekend is actually like two to five days if you're lucky. Yeah, so it's it's never just a weekend, almost ever. So it's a lot more time involved than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a lot of a lot of unique training, like shooting cool machine guns, throwing grenades, you know, stuff you never really would get to do otherwise. Get to do so otherwise, yeah. I'm glad I did it, but. Uh, I was glad to be done when it was, the contract was over. So how long was it? Four years? It was a six-year contract with the reserves. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So six years in the reserves. This whole yeah. time, are you still doing your form of training? Are you doing any martial arts? What What's happening? So in the background of that, my training is um, I'm focused on obviously the fitness tests I need for the Marines. So I got really, really good at doing pull-ups because 20 pull-ups was like a perfect score. And then we had the three-mile run and sit-ups. So I got dialed in on pull-ups. I was working on my running a lot, um, and then I was just doing like general like kind of bodybuilding style training with a little bit of powerlifting training mm. and i got myself up to about 160 pounds so i got that's nice. big big for me it's so right now i'm 125 gotcha so, oh wow yeah yeah so that was that was a lot and then uh i ended up joining the scottsdale police department so uh wow three years about halfway through my military contract i get hired by scottsdale police and uh so going through the police academy i end up losing a whole bunch of weight like like I lost a bunch of weight in boot camp when I went there. I lost a bunch of weight um, in the academy too. So I ended up coming out of the academy like 120 pounds, but any like not part- a strong 120 pounds. Any particular reason why? Uh, it's a stressful life doing that because um, it's on South Mountain, or it was at the time. I think it still is uh, for for this region. But uh, I was going there like sometimes four in the morning. And then um, at night, you're having to iron all your clothes and you're having to write out these essays and you had to write block letters perfectly within certain margins and if you messed up anything on the page complete redo so it's all this tedious work you're doing all the time mm. so i'd be up hours and hours doing this crazy homework ironing stuff making sure everything's perfect and then um and then the drive out there was crazy doing the classes all day and they're physically slaying you all the time you're yeah. running up the mountain doing push-ups calisthenics whatever they're doing on top of the academics of it so i would literally there was a a Burger King at the base of the hill. I would go to this Burger King after every class. I'd smash four Whoppers, and that would be all I ate. So every day I would just smash four Whoppers, and then that would just be my day. So I ended up yeah, losing a bunch I of could, weight. I can see that. Yeah, we had on a guest. His name was uh, Travis Brun. He um he leads a a group 
he did very similar to what you I don't know if you saw that episode he went from uh, I'm gonna butcher this he went from the military to the police academy mm-hmm. and he was saying how much more difficult it was to get into the police academy and to stay to basically become a police officer than it was to go into the military is that shared in your experience definitely had yeah. the yeah. Uh, I was glad I went in being in the military because the instructors kind of put me on the back seat you know as far as like screwing with me and stuff and kind of put me in almost like a leadership position like everybody that was in the military was almost in like a leadership position gotcha in the academy and they kind of gave me more you'd already done six years military they know i was you... like three years in oh, so, okay yeah yeah i was three years in the military about that time so yeah so okay it, and it seemed easier like having done the the marine corps boot camp doing the police academy was was a walk in the park and I knew every day, no matter what's happening, is like oh, I'll be on my couch in so many hours, so I don't really care. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll do more push-ups. I don't care. So yeah, I had that in the back of my head too, so that kind of helped. Sure. Well, I'm glad you brought up the the nutrition aspect. Um, how is that? How has that influenced what you're doing, and how has that evolved over time um, with the nutrition side of it? Yeah, that's changed quite a bit. So, uh, so when I was a police officer, I uh, I was actually doing military training in Flagstaff. Um, I jacked up my knees super bad on an obstacle course. It was like a, it was like a traditional military obstacle course. It had been raining and the mud was kind of crazy. I landed um, kind of two feet down, straight down, mm-hmm. and kind of sideways, and it kind of jacked my right knee. And I couldn't walk for three months after that. Wow. And it was bad. And uh, what sucks the most is I was waiting for the military to give me some kind of medical, some kind of training for it, um, PT, waiting, 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 nothing happened. So I was like, screw it, I'm just going to do it on my own. So around my apartment, I took my like office chair on the rollers. I used it as like a walker, and I literally had to start like retraining myself how to walk again. So I spent a couple of months where I couldn't even straighten my leg. I couldn't bend it all the way. I had to work that back out, get my fitness back up to where it was because it descended in the time that I was out like mm-hmm. really quickly. And um, me being as crazy as I am, I decided, hey, I'm going to do CrossFit for uh, rehab. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going to uh, one of the police stations in Scottsdale Police has a really nice gym. So uh, I went there and I started doing CrossFit on my own, just uh, the main site, CrossFit.com workout. Oh so boy. I started <laughs> easing my way into that and it was it was destroying me every time. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, so I'm doing that for six months. I finally get out of there, get, end up moving into like a, a real gym. Um, so Camelback CrossFit is... Uh, it's on Thomas in Scottsdale, in kind of kind of mid South Scottsdale. I start training there. Um, really good coaches, uh, really good training environment, and uh, the people around you are just absolute savages. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't even believe it. So I started out just grinding, 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 doing this over and over and over again. So uh, my nutrition philosophy then was I need to eat a lot, keep myself big, so I can get stronger. So I was I was taking a lot of calories. Um, I love beer. I was smashing beer, smashing hamburgers, you know, just trying to get big. Um, so I was floating between like a 145, 155 pounds for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then um, about 2019, I decided I'm done uh, done being a cop. I'm kind of over it. So I ended up resigning. Um, I take all my savings I had at that point and decide I'm going to start my own gym. So uh, I start yeah. Tegrity Fitness, which was actually uh, Elliot, Elliot and Cooper. Te- uh, integrity fitness integrity fitness or integrity fitness. it was kind of a south park reference joke 
because you have Tegri Farms yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, I was so like, you're I a made, South Park guy more than I am. I made my that? logo kind of similar to that, but with like barbells and dumbbells. That is and stuff. funny. So that is I funny. like that. So I was like, Tegrity Fitness. So, so I kind of is that his? Is that his weed? That's, that's his what weed it is. His farm, weed yeah. place, Tegrity the Tegrity Farms. Farms. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you watch the pandemic special episode, I assume, many times. Great. So good. I'm actually doing pretty good. We've seen a 400 percent increase since COVID. Okay, so yeah. you started gym. I started with gym. what with what practice in mind? With what emphasis? What's it? What's what's the gym about? Uh, so I was doing like personal training and kind of a functional fitness training. Um, I had a couple of police friends in Gilbert that started out as members, mm-hmm. so I had a little bit of a member base, and then um, got everything going, grand opening, and then about two weeks later, quarantine. So uh, I was about to say you're you got to be getting close yeah, to quarantine yeah. so, time, right? So okay, that's so that's basically the, the end of my oh, gym right there. So wow. actually, that's oh, ended dude, before it could even get started. Sucks. So uh, that's rough, man. I fiddle around with it for a while. I just let it run its course as long as I can manage. Um, luckily, the the cost of gym equipment skyrocketed during the the quarantine times. Yeah, don't I know it? So uh, I sold all the gym equipment I had, which had been obviously barely used at that point. Uh, for probably about 90-95% of what I paid for it. So mm-hmm. I made made a good deal of my money back. So it wasn't too horrible, but still you're not in business to break timing. even. That's terrible. Yeah, that's yeah. not and that's I mean, you're literally a part of that percentage of gym owners that had to close their doors because they got yeah. quarantined out of business. Yeah, yeah. Like you are a, a literal example of the people who are like, Hey man, these shutdowns shut my business down. Do you know that? Like, that <laughs> yeah, sucks. It non-essential. Yeah, right. Non-essential <laughs> yeah. health and fitness. So then a, a background with that gym thing. So uh, obviously I'm in that gym knowing I'm making no money. I got no income, even potentially. I can't even advertise legally, really. That's right, yeah. So uh, they... I end up at one point, I end up, uh, for the month, I have $20. $20 for, for a living. That's all I got. So wow. I'm like, damn. So, uh... Luckily, I had this griddle, so I got some some rice and some onions and some cheap cuts of meat and stuff. And uh, I had luckily I had a fridge in there too, so I was just I was living off of one meal a day, trying to make my fitness where it wasn't too much, not too little, where I can maintain myself as needed. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I got used to this uh, this one day eating thing, and I found that it my fitness kept improving. I wasn't losing weight, I wasn't gaining weight. But I kept improving my fitness. My strength kept going up. My running times kept going down. Like everything was improving eating once a day. Interesting. Wow. So I've been on that diet now since the 2020 pandemic pretty much. And what is the one meal? What does it consist of? Basically whatever the hell I want. That that sounds kind of similar to that, Wim Hof. Yeah, Wim a little Hof bit. Does. Yeah, I was going to say I've heard a couple yeah. different people yeah. doing this. Where yeah. they so, eat uh, one time per day. I, I love cooking. It's one of my favorite hobbies. So I'll, uh, I'll start in the kitchen now at like noon making some intricate thing. And by five or six, I have this intricate meal to eat. I smash as much as I can, and I'm good till tomorrow. It's great. That's the one day. You go all the way till 5 p.m. Where in the day do you train? It's not a specific time, but yeah, just whenever dinner's done at night, that's that's about it. Um, occasionally, I'll opt for a breakfast time instead, so I'll switch it up. Sure. Um, and occasionally, I'll do like a small breakfast, small dinner on rare occasions. But for the most part, once a day for the last couple of years has been... Has been fired gotcha. for me. Yeah. It's been and you, okay, so you basically maintain exactly where you're at with this. You've figured out a way to balance your calorie intake and your, obviously, your energy output. Correct. What does your training look like today? I mean, with one meal on board, what, what do you do aside from what we see on social media? I mean, what do you, what is your train? How many days a week do you train? What do you do? So, on average, it's about uh, five days a week. Um, CrossFit 
like a normal CrossFit class is what I consider my baseline fitness. So that's usually like a strength and then like a metabolic conditioning workout. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, I'll add in my own um, additional weightlifting, calisthenics, uh, trail running, sometimes just distance running, flat land, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes burden runs, just whatever. Yeah. I feel like I need to, to get through to love bird to runs. To Ultimate bird run is a, a med ball up Camelback Mountain. You ever try that? That's a good one. No, I do. <laughs> I do Rose Garden Mountain a lot. Um, I'm working out at a uh, Wildfire CrossFit right now. It's actually right at the base of the mountain. So sometimes nice. I'll just, I actually run from my house to Wildfire and I'll grab a med ball and be like, deuces. <laughs> they know I'm taking it up the hill. So <laughs> wow. it's Sick, been a good man. time. That's, That's outstanding. Cool. Yeah. And where does martial arts fit into that? Uh, so as of right now, I'm just doing the nunchuck thing. Um, I had been training Muay Thai uh, briefly for a little while. I trained some Kimpo for, for a couple of years back when mm -hmm. I was doing police still. And then obviously I had the, uh, the combat training and the, the police and military stuff. So mm -hmm. uh, the, the jiu-jitsu training I had as a kid definitely helped a lot with, with all of my uh, crazy career choices. Um, but then also I've had this nunchuck thing in the background. And then uh, that's when I started earlier this year. Um, it was actually, I think it was March or April. I was like, hey, I should write a book on how to use nunchucks because I was looking around and all the books are kind of like the old tired ones from the 80s where it's like some old dude wearing the old martial arts gi and he's just kind of showing you a couple moves here and there. I was like, this this needs an upgrade. So, Who are you thinking of? <laughs> I'm thinking of, uh, uh, um, dang it. We just listened to the thing making fun of him. Not Sylvester Stallone. Chuck Norris? No, not Chuck Norris. No, no, no. no. <clears throat> Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. Steven, Steven Seagal. Seagal. That's yeah. that's its own journey. <laughs> a couple of his movies from back in the day are pretty cool, but that they guy's were. lost his mind. Oh, oh my word. He's yeah. crazy. You know, he was a cop too. Yeah. That is the like, craziest thing ever. It's the job. The job made him lose his mind. He's, he, man, he's, he's totally <laughs> That's why I got out after six years. I couldn't take anymore. Oh, look at that. Very that's, cool. That's very cool. Me playing in my backyard. It's such a okay. So first off, the title of the book is called "Is it Nun Nunchaku?" Yeah, the proper pronunciation, um, if you're gonna pronounce it the Japanese way, is, is Nunchaku. So Japan nunchaku. has five vowel sounds: a, a, e, o, u. Okay. So Nunchaku is the proper way to say it. To say nunchuck, basically. Yeah, but okay. As an American from California, I say nunchucks a lot. So sure. <laughs> so it is what it is. How how is the book laid out? Like, yeah. What do is you... it a how to? What's 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 it about? So. Uh, that's the journey I went through when I started writing it. I thought I was going to have, you know, a couple dozen pages of uh, hold it like this and move it like that. And then as I got going, I was like, I should uh, add some more stuff in here that's that's applicable that other books don't have to mm. make it stand out. So I started, I was like, well, it's history of nunchucks. So I started with that. And, uh, you know, the history of it's kind of kind of muddled. Nobody really knows. Um, it could have a Chinese origin. It could have a Filipino origin. It could have a Japanese origin. It could have sprouted all those places at mm -hmm. different times, been fed off each other. So, yeah. so nobody really quite knows the origin, origin of it. Do we know kind of the oldest written his like uh, one of the more popular ones I know is um, is from Japan. So, like um, like early 1600s Japan, uh, the Okinawan Islands are kind of south of the main Japan island. So, mm -hmm. the the Japanese warlords, the the samurai warlords, would come down to the islands and kind of take them over. And uh, so they didn't want the people to, to overthrow them. So obviously they would ban the weapons from them. So they started using farm implements and other things as weapons. So like the bow staff is just a simple stick they would use to carry water. Or the, the iku is like the ore. You may have seen people use that as a weapon. Mm -hmm. So that was another one. So the, the nunchuck, they're not sure if it was a, a grain thrasher that's been modified or if it's like a horse bridle, like, you know, for a, 
horse riding. Sure. So the thing, it's one of those two things is the, the origin of it. And someone figured out how to use it as a, a weapon of centripetal force. And they don't know so who we don't, we don't know exactly who originated this style of martial arts. Um, no. So there's another legend in China from, uh, the nine hundreds, um, when the Mongols were, were attacking back then, that the emperor at the time led a war party out towards the the kind of Mongolia-China border, mm-hmm. had a war campaign, got kind of pushed back a bit, and they're um, they're recovering in this farming town, and uh, the emperor dude sees some of the farming people using this uh, nunchuck-like item for thrashing rice. So he ends up taking one of them and ends up figuring out this whole weapon kata system for it, teaches it to his people, they go back out and kick everybody's ass with these giant nunchucks that the dude just invented. So that's one of the other origin stories. And wow. So yeah, so nobody, nobody really knows. But it was definitely used in combat. The the, the People nunchuck believe was... less combat and more personal self-defense. Okay. Because uh, you'd want to defend yourself more like a, a short to mid-range weapon. Um, definitely unbladed would be your best bets in combat with it. Mm-hmm. So an unarmed person, multiple unarmed people, or shorter unbladed weapons, anything outside of that, you're probably going to get jacked up pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, if your opponent has a spear, you're <laughs> a probably spear not going to get close enough to hit him with your yeah. nunchuck. <laughs> yeah, and it only takes one hit with that, and you're you're done. What's so. a, what's an unconventional use of a nunchuck that perhaps most people don't know about? Um, so everybody sees them being swung and getting hit with the non-held handle. Um, but what if I'm holding it and hit you with the side I'm holding, or come around this way? Or if I kick you while I'm holding it, you're not expecting me to kick you. Probably you're focused on the nunchucks. So sure. Get, yeah, I would be. Yeah. You yeah. get kicked. <laughs> then you're focused on that. Then you get hit with the nunchuck and get taken out. So. If I ever saw anyone in any given situation that pulled those out, I'd be like, okay. Exactly. <laughs> I yeah. probably should. Yo, it's such an odd and intimidating looking weapon. If anybody, even if you don't know how to fight with it, if you just know how to twirl it, I'm probably not going to. Yeah, if you're not hitting yourself in the head with it, yeah, I'm yeah. scared. Can you imagine having like steel toes with those things? I mean, my <laughs> word. No one would see it coming. No. Not a chance. Okay, so uh, great. So when did this book launch? You said it was fairly recently, right? You Yeah, so April I started writing this thing, and I came up with all these ideas for things to put in. So I, I put in the history. I kind of put in um, the design of them. Like I break down the different parts so that I can describe how and where to hold them for different movements. Mm-hmm. And then um, I end up talking about physical fitness because it's a weapon of defense and combat. So if you don't have the endurance or capacity to last in combat, you might as well not even – or how to use it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I figured that's kind of important, and uh, no martial arts books ever touches on fitness, which blows my mind. Like, why? Um, that is odd. I yeah. haven't read too many martial yeah. arts books, but um, is that that's kind of by yeah, and like large any the truth, weapon or? how-to book I've ever read is never, never touched on the subject. Um, Weird. Before we go too much further, I, I do have a question when it comes to, you said you, you mentioned the history. Because there's so many different history stories, do you kind of give like a summary of all of it, or do you kind of take your own approach like your personal favorite how do you kind of go about that yeah i just laid out um a few of the most popular ones that i was able to to find over time or things that i had heard mm-hmm. and uh so i think there's there's three possible origin stories in there and then um i take kind of take the history from from the past to like the more modern times which explains why uh we have trouble with the word like is it nunchuck is it numchucks is it nunchaku like mm. what word is it and that's because like in the 70s when uh, the martial arts started becoming popular in the, the U.S. and in Europe and stuff, uh, the, nobody really knew how to write it, so the word kind of got bastardized through language over time and then ended up evolving. So now there's a hundred different versions of how to possibly spell or write it. Nobody knows really. And say it. Yeah. So Weird. Got it. So cool. Yeah. Are you then, doing a handstand while doing it? 
Is that what I see in that video? Yes. Yeah, so it's a um, it's a spin where you're spinning the chain basically around your hand, and then I'm doing that in a handstand. So I kinda, wow, kind of a what? challenge I threw out there. That's cool. <laughs> I need to get more than one loop though. That was that was harder than I thought it was gonna be. I <laughs> not me. That looks significantly difficult, and it would probably be even worse if I tried. <laughs> That's great, man. Okay, so what else have you found to be beneficial for this style of training? I mean, I see on your page you're a big believer in barefoot training. I mean, does that make its way into the book? Does that make its way into your training? Anything like that? It's not in this book, no, but um, in my training, it's uh, it's become important recently. So uh, in uh, actually March of this year is when I started barefoot training. And uh, You ever seen Shama Sandals? Shama. Sh Shama. Shama. Shama Sandals. Eli, do you have their page? I feel like I've heard of them. It's like S H A M. I think it's S H A M M. Try Instagram, bud. It should just pop right up. I was talking to him like a couple days ago. But they're great. Because um, I periodize my shoes quite a bit. Right. These are the ones I kind of wear. I actually have them on right now. I wear them for like if I'm walking around or if I'm just kind of training or if I'm hanging out or anything like that. But uh, what's the matter? It's not. It's not sliding. We're fine. Just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. It's um, it's it's really good to have a sort of a backup plan because you don't just want to have barefoot training. But for me, I, if you use, is the iPad broken? Do we need to? Because this happened last time too, didn't it? I'm I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but just. Just keep going. Anyway, just put your shoes there. on the desk and yeah. we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what uh, what style of shoe wear do you use? What kind? So, um, I uh, I started this because I read the book um, Born to Run by Chris McDougall, yeah. and then mm -hmm. uh, I found another book, uh, First Steps, uh, Jeremy De Silva. It's kind of the evolution of human walking and uh, locomotion, mm -hmm. uh, and that was fascinating too. And then I kind of I have foot injuries from uh, from the police academy. I jacked up my foot pretty bad there. Yeah. Kind of never got it fixed. Um, and then I have another injury on my other foot uh, just from an accident. So I'm trying to fix my, my feet. That's them. And I was having kind of pain running. So I'd get like seven, eight-ish miles into a run, and I'd be either my knees, my hips, or my back would just be screaming. Yeah. And I was getting sick of that. And uh, so I was like, I need to do something different. So I, I dialed in my running technique switched to barefoot running. So I started looking up shoes and I found a uh, zero shoes. Mm -hmm. So uh, XERO zero shoes. And uh, they have an Instagram. They do. Yes. What is it? XERO. 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 Yeah. Shoes. And then um, down the road ended up becoming like an affiliate partner with them. So uh, if you, you go, go in my link tree and click the link to zero shoes, um, give me a commission if you buy a pair of shoes, but uh, they've been amazing and it totally, nice. totally changed the game for me. So I got a pair of sandals. Just when I thought I've seen them all. I got their thinnest pair of sandals and started just hitting the Arizona trails. And it was brutal and it hurt. And my feet were bleeding. I didn't care. I just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. <laughs> and uh, my running form and times have improved amazingly since March to a point that I can't even believe. Heck yeah. And wow. I, I can run a half marathon just as like a casual training day. Like it's nothing. Well, the human foot's the best technology we'll ever have. Mm -hmm. It's never a good idea, I think, to overcomplicate the situation and that's right. what a lot of times shoes themselves i mean shoes are great you can have fun designing them fun wearing them they're fashion statements and all that but if you want because i i get plantar fasciitis bad like i just do it it flares mm -hmm. up sometimes then it goes away and then so far the only thing that has really taken that away from me has been using barefoot wear right. 
Right. I was wearing traditional tennis shoes and I'm on my feet all the time because I'm working with clients. Then I train myself mm-hmm. and I just, I don't know. I was like hurting, like especially in the morning. I would get up every morning. It was just sucked. Like every first step was just the worst. But, and it, oftentimes see the, the problem is when people think that they think, okay, let me get a, let me get a lacrosse ball. Let me roll out my foot, roll and roll and right. roll and roll and roll. And that's usually not what's causing that. Oftentimes it's like a, you're, you've got a slight atrophy or your soles of your feet aren't strong enough. You haven't done enough to strengthen those. Is that a shot at me? And that's, <laughs> it's, it's a good idea to consider the possibility that your feet may be weak, not tight. Oftentimes right. people think, Oh, the soles of my feet are way too tight. They need to be stretched. Maybe, but it's also possible that they're insufficiently strong and you should consider getting some shoe wear like Vivio Barefoot. Like I've never tried the Zeros, but I'm sure they do the same. Right. Any thin-soled shoe will strengthen the arch and eventually the proprioceptors of your feet, which will increase everything. Your neural drive, your endurance, your just walking around. Now, I don't, I don't, honestly, for the last, probably the last three, maybe three, three and a half months has been since I really switched over and I, I haven't had the same issues. And it's all just, I didn't do anything different because I was doing everything. I didn't do anything different except change my feet, my footwear. Yeah. So it, yeah, I definitely hear that. It's been the same for me. So yeah, since uh, that changeover in March, there's that initial you know period getting used to it for a few months, and then uh, after that, it's just been, it's been solid. It's been easy running, like literally, mm-hmm. so smooth, so yeah. fast feeling. How many pairs do you have? Do you uh, wear only three. barefoot shoes? Um, except for the rare instances I need to put on dress shoes for now. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much exclusively barefoot shoes. Dress shoes are actually pretty thin too, though. Usually, it's like a, it's not a big. It's usually a thinner sole. They have a they have dress shoe styles now, so I'm probably gonna get some zero shoes ones. But uh, sometimes sometimes you gotta kick it up and be fancy. So sure. that's the only time I, I don't uh, don't barefoot shoe it. But yeah, usually I'm in sandals or a like I'm wearing the actual zero shoes shoes right now. But are they an American company? The they zero are, they're based out of uh, Colorado. That's outstanding. That, that's actually a great idea too to have a, a dress shoe because I feel like yeah. I mean Vibram Vivo. I mean none of those really have tapped into that. It's always been athletic wear or like trail running and stuff like that mm-hmm. or toe shoes. Shama just came out with a boot. It's not a dress shoe though. You're right. I think it's yeah. I but getting I don't more, know. Getting, getting more into more... the style yeah. because there n- none of these shoes are stylish they're all for a purpose right but if you get a shoe that you know you can wear with a suit or anything like that and still get the benefits of neural Mm -hmm. drive i mean that would be huge for a company yeah and zero zero does that they've got a dress shoe line or dress shoe yeah so it looks like you're saying you know dress shoes have the little heel so it looks like it has the heel but Mm -hmm. it's actually a negative drop inside so your Uh. foot's below where it looks like it would be oh i see it just looks like they're nice they're nice they they have boots they have nice like dress kind of dress boots the uh kind of ugg looking boots that females wear so they have all kinds of styles now i saw they just released um oh, a bunch cool. of different styles recently too so and you wear the sandals running is that right i wear yeah i wear these in the sandals yes yeah, so okay it just kind of depends how i'm feeling my only thing with the sandals is like hitting my toe onto a rock yeah. Like, I don't have any problems stepping over things that aren't even, but, like, if you stub your toe into a, a, a freaking rock, uh, it's the I, I feel like it makes me worse. focus more on my form because if, if I have that dilemma coming up, I'm more likely to be focused on how I'm landing. So yeah. it almost makes me run better because I'm worried about hurting myself. Yeah. Yeah, so, pain's a good motivator. Yeah, and yeah. a stub toe in the middle of a mountain would Definitely. probably do that. <laughs> yeah, I might have to check those out. Those are really cool. Yeah, yeah. Especially the uh you know, the dress you think. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Go. There yeah. you go. That's yeah, neat. It only took forever. I, I don't know why they're not hyping these up more. Is that the, their is that the one? That looks like almost like an it looks hug. Like, yeah, it looks like a Tom Brady. There's, there's hug. a bunch of different 
styles and, and fashions they have. But yeah, they've uh, they've been doing this for a little bit now. I Dude. like that they're American. The Vivio ones aren't, and it's such a pain oh, in the ass. Their sizing is that. all jacked and everything. There's a great shoe, and yeah. they're, 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 those are probably some of the better training shoes that I've ever worn. Mm-hmm. But again, they're they're just a nightmare. It's like you order yeah. them, they come three and a half months later, and they're like their size twelve is their size ten and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, these um, from what I've seen, they're about you want to order like a size up, if not half a size. Like, I think sandals, I order half a size up. The shoes, I ordered one size up, and that's been perfect. Got it. Um, but yeah, they also uh, they make a donation. So I think um, some percentage of every purchase, uh, they make a donation to the the Taramara Indians in uh, North Mexico. The, the running Indians, so oh okay. So every purchase you make goes towards them too, so it helps That's them cool. out. That's cool. The running, I mean, are they? Is it still a thing? I mean, are they still? They're they're still yeah. They live in the um the Copper Canyons of uh of North Mexico, and they're the the legendary runners. They run twenty, thirty, hundred miles, no problem. Wow. In a day, <laughs> yeah. And they they wear sandals. not a lot of diabetes in that clan. So the design, the basic design of the their most basic sandals is based off of the shoe style of this uh, this tribal Indians of North Mexico. Really, wow. mm-hmm. the ones right there in that picture, like kind of list ones. Middle I top love those. Yeah. yeah, middle top with those uh, that yes. right there. Yeah, so that, yes, that structure. So these people, they'll um, that is sick. They'll find bits of car tire and then they'll tie them up to their feet, kind of in this style, and that's what they use as shoes. I like those a lot. And then they'll they'll crush. I'm gonna reach out to them and try times. to get those, <laughs> dude. Yeah. I want those. Those are really really good looking. Yeah, I'm 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 really happy to see how many have actually come out because it used to be there was only a couple of companies doing this sort of thing, mm-hmm. and now with all the well, really with all the influence from the big influencers, I think is what's driving it. Mark Bell, Definitely. that kind of thing, and now that sort of that is so cool. That's a water. Uh, I was about to say that's like go to the so lake this, aqua the, cloud that's the first shoe I bought with them and then that's when I started trail running around here with oh, I actually like the heel and uh, I like that they have a heel I took them on a, a canyon trip in Utah and they were they were beast out there so those are those they're are more dope. solid like they those. look like nothing but they're they're pretty solid what look at that <laughs> that's sick I haven't tried those those look neat that looks like a straight up <laughs> Like a spark. Like a face hugger. It looks like a face hugger from Alien. That is the first thing I thought of too. <laughs> I, I know there's a big craze with like being able to ground, right? Where mm-hmm. people are like yes. barefoot on the ground. Do these shoes allow you to do that, or do you do you have any background on any of that? It it's I can feel the ground for sure. I'm not sure what the the actual transfer is because I've been reading a lot about that too. Don't you have to have like a like a penny or a copper something in the no. heel or something. Is that not? What oh, they, in the shoe itself. In the shoe itself. I thought I'm not they, sure. Some that of them will have, sense some of them will have, in a, terms of I think it's copper. I think it's yeah. copper. They'll have a little metal piece in the heel. So and that's like a transfer. Of yes, energy. Yes. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Mine don't. And, but I don't know if those do, but that is a good question. If not, someone needs to, right. I mean, how hard would it be to put a penny in the bottom of your shoe? Yeah. Just a bit of metal somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we might have a business idea right here. guys. Yeah, I know <laughs> we can't air this now. Cut, cut, cut this, this part. Un- unusable. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, Mason, where can people reach you? If they want to see the book, if they want to find you, if they got questions, where do they go? Um, so I have a website now I just launched recently. So it's a uh, noon So it's N U N C H a K U F I T dot com noon fit. So that leads to everything. And also my Instagram is a Chuck Chiuma. Sorry for all the hard words. That's a C H A K C H I U M A. And that's a native American word from, uh, from my tribe. So that's why I chose as my Instagram. And that's your website. Uh, new fit. Yeah. That's my website. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's the landing page. How to use it. And this is where they can get the book as well. 
Yeah, is the book an ebook? An ebook or is it an as actual? Of right now, it's a it's ebook only available on Amazon. Um, okay. Free if you have Kindle Unlimited, so you can read for free if you have Kindle Unlimited. Gotcha. And uh, I'm working on getting the uh, the paperback and hardcover versions out. So it's been a bit of a struggle on that for some reason, but uh, I'm working with them on that. So nice, hopefully bro. soon. Well, congrats, man. I, yeah. I think you're doing a lot of really exciting stuff. I love what you're about, and I think you've got a really cool training regimen. And yeah, it's been, out, been outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks Thank for you. Me. Sweet. We'll cut it there.